Uh, in, in this cold bath every single morning. I've never actually had one, but, but I, believe, I believe passionately that it's a great idea. Um, and perhaps uh, I wanted to uh, share that story because this passage we're talking about in Ephesians 3 um, is about the love of God. Um, it's a prayer, and it's about the love of God. Um, but the thing about it is that when we experience God's love, there's also a, a call to respond to God's love as well. Um, and I'm going to be talking about the work of World Vision today, expressing God's love across the world, particularly with the poor. Um, so it seems to me that, that this idea that believing in something or experiencing something but not having any response to it, not actually doing anything about it, uh, is challenged in this passage. Um, so perhaps more, more of the bath in a second. Um, for those who weren't here last week, Prudence uh, gave us a great introduction to, to, this, to this passage and, and really the idea of being able to dwell in God's love. Um, and the, the writer here, Paul, John Stott beautifully describes this as, as a prayer which is a staircase, a staircase where Paul climbs higher and higher in his aspiration for his readers. And there are four layers to it. Um, the first layer is that we're strengthened with the power of, of God. And, and last week we talked about and, and experienced the dwelling of having God dwell in us. And then the, the, the next stages are that we're rooted and grounded in love. Um, and the idea of being rooted and grounded in love, um, I think, also means that we're strengthened to love. That as we're grounded in God's love, so then we're strengthened to share that love with other people. <coughs> And that we can, and the third stage is that we get, we can know Christ's love, the width, the length, the height, and the depth, and and that we're, and the fourth stage is that we're filled with God's love, filled to God's fullness. And I'd like to uh, take the second, third, and fourth of these steps of this prayer through the lens of World Vision. Um, world Vision is a Christian charity that serves the world's most vulnerable children. Um, and I currently have the privilege of being uh, chair of the board of, the, of, the, of trustees in, in the UK. <coughs> um, World Vision actually is the largest children's charity in the world, and it's one of the largest relief and development charities in the world, um, though you may never have heard of it. <laughs> the awareness of World Vision in the UK isn't great. Um, I think that we have a huge amount more work to do in terms of uh, working with the church, uh, certainly in, in the UK. One of the things I love about uh, World Vision is that it works through, um, we work through national offices. So in the countries of need, uh, it's the offices on the ground that do the work. We're a support office here in the UK, essentially to raise funds for the work in the field. And, and so therefore we avoid, I think, this sort of patronising notion that we can sometimes have of Westerners um, uh, in, 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 the, in the developing world. We're funded through a combination of uh, voluntary donations, primarily through child sponsorship and a lot of grants as well. In the UK, we do a lot of word, work with DFID, um, the, the Department for International Development. And our key work is with the world's most vulnerable children. And we define vulnerable children uh, as people living in a fragile context. So that could mean war, upheaval, displacement, natural disaster. We define it in terms of the level of poverty, we define it in terms of the level of human rights. For example, a huge number of children around the world have no birth certificate, which means they have no, no identity. 
Um, those kind of things are, are, are something that we, we think about in terms of vulnerability of children. We look at abuse and exploitation. And the fifth dimension is we look at disability, because children that are disabled in the developing world have a particularly difficult time. Um, and, and we define a child as, as, as most vulnerable if they uh, fit at least two of those criteria, as many, many do. <coughs> and what I want to share with you today is a, a, a trip that I took to Uganda um, uh, earlier this year, uh, to northern Uganda. Uh, it's perhaps uh, not so well known, this particular refugee crisis, but in northern Uganda they're estimated to be around a million South Sudanese refugees. They've come into Uganda over the last um, <coughs> two years, really, uh, two to three years. Uh, as, as, the, as the war in South Sudan has got worse, uh, more people have come in. And that's the first amazing thing to share, is that they've come in, a million people. So the attitude of the Ugandan government is, as many people need to come, can come. Uh, they can work, they can travel freely in the country, uh, and they can do anything that they want to apart from vote. Uh, that's the attitude, the starting attitude of the, of the Ugandan government, which I find striking when you think of uh, attitudes here, perhaps, to refugees. <coughs> um, Dennis, perhaps we could... Uh, the first slide up, thank you. So I'm just going to show some pictures and a couple of things, other things today, a couple of short videos. Um, next slide, please. Yeah, so this is um, one of the reception centres. World Vision runs the reception centres for the South Sudanese refugees arriving. When we were there, probably 200 people arrived uh, from South Sudan. Uh, there were days at, at the height of the problem, about 18 months to two years ago, when 10,000 people a day were arriving at these refugee settlements. Um, yeah, next uh, slide, please. So... Um, this is, uh, you're just seeing children who are arriving, uh, being inoculated. That's the first thing that's done. Uh, you'll see if, you can, if you've got very good eyesight that that's uh, uh, someone from Médecins Sans Frontières. So whilst, uh, whilst World Vision actually hosts these sites, uh, it's really a collaboration between many, many of the NGOs uh, that, that are there. Next slide, please. Um, the first thing that, that we do uh, when people come there is give them some food. Uh, uh, there's, uh, people are hungry generally when they be travelling most people have come from South Sudan on foot uh, and it's maybe taken them many months to arrive here at the refugee settlement next picture please um, so these people are getting packed up They've been, they, these are people who arrived in the, in, in the camp uh, the day before and um, now they're being taken to be given their land uh, they, each, each family that comes is given a, a piece of land of 50 square metres. I want you to just think about that for a moment, given a piece of land within 24 hours of arriving. When you ask, where does this land come from, who gives it? It's the Uganda people. It's the Uganda people who own this land, who give this land. And I sort of, it, it just challenged me, you know, if I was told, could, could someone have half of my back garden, please, to come and live in, what my attitude to that would be. Um, the Uganda people um, have a huge generosity around this. Um, and I think it's because, I, my, my, this is my thought, Dennis would probably be far better able to comment on this than I can, but, but my thought is that, that they, they don't see themselves as owners of the land, but stewards of the land, that the land will be there long after they are, and, uh, and so that's what they do. Um, so these people are just being packed up um, into the van uh, and taken to be given their land. Next slide, please. <coughs> Um, this is the feeding program. There are a million people to feed, uh, and World Vision, um, with the World Food Program, 
manages the, the, um, the feeding in, in two of the refugee settlements, so people come uh, once a week. But I really wanted to introduce you to this by meeting two people that I had the privilege to meet. Um, and so we can talk in global terms, but really it comes down to the people. And the first is a guy called Victor. Uh, he's 14 years old. He may be 15 now, actually. It was a few months ago. Um, and I could tell you his story, but I think he'll tell it far better. So, Dennis, on the next slide should be a video. Just click in the bottom left-hand corner. It should play. Sorry. A refugee is someone who leaves his or her country because his or her country is in conflict. It is not in peace. When the war started, our neighbor is slaughtered. The children were shot. They are coming to our home. We said that okay, it's better for us to run. And we ran away, but we leave all of our things. Because to carry it is very heavy. We leave them and they started running. On the way we find a lot of dead bodies. My small brother is unable to cross. We just close his eyes and we carry him up to Congo. Our parents were living with them. In the night, war broke out. We don't know whether they have died or they are alive. When I was sleeping, those things were coming in my head. The dead bodies, the slaughtering of the people. If I remember them, I can't sleep. to the border of Congo and Uganda. Then from there, they register us. Then all the provide us with the shelter, which, as you can see, we are still living on it. Yeah. My name is Victor Anigo. I am 14 years old, a refugee from South Sudan. story of Victor. Um, he doesn't know if his parents are alive or dead. His older brother, actually, he doesn't know if he's alive or dead either. Uh, he came with his twin brother and three younger brothers. Um, we could have the next slide, please. This is when I met Victor, and uh, this is Victor showing us his school certificate. Uh, in South Sudan, there is primary education, and he came top in his class. 
and um, Victor uh, wants to be an electrician and my prayer for him is that he will be. Uh, next slide please. This is Victor um, <coughs> with his brothers uh, and the woman in this picture is actually uh, not related to him. Um, she actually Amazingly, they, they saw each other at the, at the welcome center that I just showed you a picture of, uh, and they come from the same village. Um, but she has a separate family, um, but one of the World Vision schemes in the refugee settlements is to fix up foster families, and there are more than a 1,000 foster families in the refugee settlements which World Vision have organized. And so this woman uh, cares for the boys, uh, and they live with her and her family uh, under a foster arrangement. That's her beautiful little baby that I'm holding there. Um, okay, next, next picture, please. Uh, this is one of the things that uh, goes on in, in, in uh, place. World, World Vision encourage uh, groups, and it's mainly women, to come together and set up these savings clubs. Uh, they, they share their resources. They lend money to each other when they're in need. Uh, they pull their resources to buy land, to farm. Um, and they're very, very proud of, of this. They have a tin box that they keep their money in, uh, which they proudly showed us. Uh, and it's one of the thoughts, actually, that in terms of development, those of you that are interested in the whole idea of development, is, is the, the, the phrase that is often used now is trade, not aid. So not all of the, of the food that people are given is actually food. Sometimes they're also given some money, some cash, um, because then an economy develops. Uh, and actually, if you can, so in a, in a country where there's a, a crisis such as an earthquake, actually, if you send 10,000 buckets, that's one thing. If actually a factory in that country can make 10,000 buckets, uh, then it's a different thing. And so this notion of, of, of trying to bring uh, trade into these situations. And that, of course, develops the beginnings of some kind of uh, economy. The next uh, picture, please. Uh, so this was uh, the local bar in the development uh, advertising that they had the Watford v Chelsea match on the television. Um, and, and so there are people who are entrepreneurial enough to get uh, a signal and uh, premiership football seems to pervade the whole world, but it certainly is here in the refugee camps. Okay, next slide, please. Um, one of the things that World Vision does that, that I was most moved by is uh, that they have child-friendly spaces. And what that means is that they're, they're just areas of ground in the refugee settlements with barbed wire around them um, and only children are allowed in and they have security uh, on, the, on, the, on the door and only children are allowed in and they're places that children can come and what was so moving about these child friendly spaces was the children were laughing the children were running, the children were playing the children had somehow despite the trauma had got their childhood back um, and this guy uh, in the middle there, in the Czech shirt, um, he was talking to us in perfect English. He's 15 years old, and uh, one of the things that World Vision does in the child-friendly spaces is has a thing called the Peace Club for the teenagers, where they talk about the issues of war in their home environment, their home country. And <clears throat> this guy said to us, he said, we are the future leaders of South Sudan. Uh, and all of the tribes, and even in this group here, the different tribes that are at war in South Sudan are represented here. And he said, we are the future leaders of Sudan, South Sudan, and if we can find peace here uh, in, this, in this refugee settlement, then we can take that back to South Sudan. Um, one thing I wanted to show you, just because sometimes this idea that they have fun uh, and they, they're bringing bring the, the fun back, um, in these child-friendly spaces, this is the Bidi Bidi refugee camera now, which is the largest settlement there, 
Um, in the child-friendly space, they had a, 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 a Biddy Biddy's Got Talent competition. And uh, first we heard from a rapper who was fantastic. Uh, and then we heard from four girls who, um, had, as who were dancers. And uh, the only musical accompaniment they had was a whistle and a turned-up washing-up bowl. Um, and then they showed us, and of course you know that the, uh, the rhythm that uh, these people have is, uh, makes, <laughs> makes us look rather clumsy. But uh, just to show that it's not all too serious, um, I actually said to my colleague um, from World Vision, I think we should join in with this. So this is a short video of us trying to dance in, in the Biddy Biddy Got Talent style. a whole new meaning to dad dancing so um next slide please uh on a much more serious note i'd like you to the other person i'd like you to meet is this young woman called soraya keiji she's 17 years old um she lives in biddy biddy uh, refugee settlement with her 14 year old sister and her 12 year old sister uh, she's one of uh, thousands of child only families that uh, world vision supports both her parents were killed uh, as she fled South Sudan. Uh, she uh, came across as completely traumatized as we spoke to her. Um, but she came alive when we asked her what she wanted to do in life. And she said that she wants to be a human rights lawyer, um, supporting the needs of women and children. And we asked her her philosophy on life. And she said four things. She said, love your neighbor as yourself. She said, husbands, don't beat your wives. She said, boys and girls are equal. And she said, adults, teach the children what you know. Amazing, incredible wisdom and maturity for a 17-year-old girl. Uh, next slide, please. And this is Soraya outside of her hut. She built this herself for herself and her two younger sisters. Uh, and she's very proud of it, um, and quite rightly so. And again, my prayer for her would be that she is a human rights lawyer one day, representing the needs of women and children. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, so this is uh, one of the other privileges I had when I was in Uganda, is I got to meet this chap. Uh, so the guy standing in front of me there in the, in the, um, in the 
lilac, do you call it? Shirt? Like, um, purpley shirt, uh, is Makey. His name's Makey. And he's the child that we as a family sponsor through World Vision. And there aren't many people who get to actually meet their sponsored child. Um, but I got to, got to meet him. Um, and we had a huge party in the village while we were there. I was told, uh, don't think this is a short thing. If you come to meet your sponsored child, that's three hours, three, a three-hour um, meeting. And we had a wonderful time. Uh, with, with him, so it was just a privilege to actually get to meet my sponsored child. Um, these are three other people that I met. Next uh, slide, please. So uh, sometimes we forget the astounding beauty of uh, this part of Africa. Um, in Uganda, it's a beautiful, beautiful country with absolutely uh, amazing wildlife. Okay, a couple of quick slides. Uh, next slide, thank you. Um, <coughs> So I don't know if you can see this, it's probably too small, but I just wanted to show a little bit about World Vision's impact. Every 60 seconds, a family gets water, a hungry child is fed, a family receives the tools to overcome poverty. World Vision is reaching one new person with clean water every 10 seconds and reaches three more schools every day with clean water. Together, we've imp impacted the lives of over 200 million vulnerable children. Over the last five years, 89% of the severely nourished children we've treated have made a full recovery. I want to share one of the stories. You can find this on YouTube if you want to. Um, but uh, when everyone will know about the Ebola crisis in Sierra Leone, I'm sure, of about four or five years ago. Uh, what you may not know, we probably all assumed that it was the medics who solved the Ebola crisis. Actually, it was the faith leaders. So uh, World Vision brought together the Christian faith leaders and the Muslim faith leaders. And the real problem in terms of the spread of Ebola is the ritual of washing the dead body after the person dies. And that's when they're most infectious. That's when they spread. So World Vision worked with the faith leaders to say, actually, it's okay. And the Christian leaders spoke uh, in the meetings with, of the Muslims, and the Muslims came into, uh, Muslim leaders came into the, into the churches and spoke about both communities saying it's all right not to wash the bodies. And they, they believe, was the biggest reason why the Ebola crisis was contained. Um, so we all assume it's the medics that solved these problems, but actually it was the faith leaders uh, in Sierra Leone that did so. Um, last slide. Thank you very much. <coughs> um, so what about the global impact, not just of world vision, but generally? We hear a lot in the media about how all this aid money is wasted uh, it makes me quite angry, actually. Um, but if you look at what's actually happened in the world, two billion more people have safe drinking water today than in 1990. In the last 25 years, the proportion of the world's population in extreme poverty has dropped from 30% to 10%. I find that an extraordinary statistic. In the last 25 years, the proportion of the world's population in extreme poverty has dropped from 30% to 10%. And that still leaves 750 million people, roughly, in extreme poverty. So the job's not done. But the idea that, that the world isn't making progress um, is what upsets me. The infant mortality rate has more than halved in the last 24 year, 25 years. Um, in 15 years, uh, the number of people, kids not in school dropped from around 100 million uh, uh, to around 61 million. And the prevalence of child marriage and child rights is something that we work with hugely in World Vision. Uh, the prevalence of child marriage has dropped significantly uh, in South Asia in that time. So the report that money is wasted um, uh, uh, and, and is not doing good, of course we can always learn and there will always be abuse in any, any system. 
Um, but actually, my experience of working uh, with the likes of DFID is that actually they're very demanding as to who they give money to, and they're very demanding as to the impact that they expect to see uh, proved as a result of it. So I wanted to show you this. Let's, let's perhaps go back to the passage very briefly, um, back to the Bath story. Uh, we, we, if we believe in something, if we experience something, then, then God's looking for us a response for us to share his love. This is what I believe World Vision is trying to do across the world. Um, and as we experience the depth, the height, the length and width of God's love, then it needs to be reflected. Um, <clears throat> the Bible is full of, of talking about um, uh, social justice. If you look at Luke's Gospel, uh, it talks about poverty and social justice throughout. And, and so uh, there is a call on us to respond to this. It's not just that, that, that World Vision um, works not so much with proselytizing, but more with social justice and, and bringing uh, to the needs of people. So what could our response be to this? And um, uh, it may be that you are already doing an awful lot of great things, um, but if you thought that you might want to do something... Of course, then you can sponsor a child. That's one thing you can do. But I want to tell you about one event. Um, what's not well known is that on average, women and children in the developing world walk six kilometers a day to get water. That's the average in the developing world. Six kilometers a day just to get fresh water. Three kilometers there, fill up with water, six kilometers back. So we have this thing called the Global 6K. And it's going to be, uh, I'm planning to host a global 6K. So last year, 50,000 people around the world uh, on the same date walked six kilometers uh, as a sponsored event um, to, to raise money uh, for World Vision uh, and for the work with the world's most vulnerable children. Um, we're going to have one in probably in Richmond Park on the 4th of May next year. Um, so we're just going to walk that 6K together just to get one day experience of what these people go through each day just to get fresh water. So if you fancy coming, um, then do take one of these cards from me afterwards. It's got my email address on the back. Just drop me an email for now or get someone to drop me an email just to say that you're interested and then we can send you more details nearer the time. Um, and I'd just like to finish with the, the words that uh, perhaps coming, coming next week. But to, um, it's just this sense. We, we, we're getting the whole of our um, uh, organization, World Vision, about 400 senior leaders together uh, once every three years and next year our theme actually comes amazingly from Ephesians 3 um, and it is this theme now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine it's according to his power that is at work within us so it's this idea really that that organizations like World Vision are doing amazing things but only because of the power that comes from the God who is able to do immeasurably more Let's pray. Father, thank you for your faithful servants in World Vision and many other organizations serving the world's poor and the world's most vulnerable children. Um, thank you for this passage. Thank you uh, for the demonstration of your deep love. Please help each of us to uh, think how we respond to the experience of your love and how we live it out in our daily lives. In Jesus' name, amen.